Lord, who may dwell in your sacred tent, who may live on your holy mountain, the one whose way of life is blameless, who does what is righteous, who speaks the truth from their heart, whose tongue utters no slander, who does no wrong to a neighbour and casts no slur on others, who despises a vile person but honours those who fear the Lord, who keeps an oath even when it hurts and does not change their mind, who lends money to the poor without interest, who does not accept a bribe against the innocent. Whoever does these things will never be shaken. Let's pray as we come to think about that psalm together. Father God, you have spoken in the Bible and you are speaking now by your Holy Spirit as that word is read and taught. So please would you help us to listen and to obey all that you call us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Housemate Wanted. Have you seen those adverts in the newspaper or more likely now online? Maybe you've posted one of those adverts back in the day. Housemate Wanted. You know, single room to let, fully furnished for house share with three young professionals, that kind of thing. Must be clean and tidy, non-smoker, no pets, reliable in paying rent and bills. You know, those, those, sorts, of, uh, those sorts of adverts. I've had uh, a bit of a mixed bag myself when it comes to housemates. The current people I live with are fine, that's fine. But uh, in the past, uh, I've had some amazing housemates. My friend Victor, fantastic guy. I was his best man recently. We hadn't lived together for years and years and years, and we're still in touch. Other housemates have been less than amazing. I'm thinking of Joe, who ate all my food and broke my things and brought stolen goods into the house quite often. He was not what I was really looking for. I wonder what you would look for in a housemate. You put one of those adverts up, must be this, that, the other. Someone who likes late nights, loud music and parties. Someone who stays quietly in their room. You tend to want a housemate who is going to fit in with your lifestyle or somebody a bit like you. But what about God? I know that's a strange question, but what would God look for in a housemate? Believe it or not, I think that is the question of Psalm 15. If we read verse 1 together, Lord, who may dwell in your sacred tent? Who may live on your holy mountain? This psalm is asking us, who can live with God? What sort of person can be with him, can live with him, can dwell in his tent, live on his mountain, be close to him? Who can live with God. As we thought about uh, before Christmas when we were looking at Exodus, back when all of God's people lived in tents, God himself came to dwell among his people in a tent, in the tabernacle. And at the time of David, who wrote this psalm, the Ark of the Covenant and all the other stuff that was inside that tent was moved to Jerusalem onto Mount Zion, where later on the temple would be built. And this song speaks, doesn't it, about who can dwell in your sacred tent? Who can go there where you are? This song might have been sung by people as they approached that city, as they approached that holy place and were struck by God's majesty, by his purity. And they start asking of themselves, who am I? 
that I could come close to God. Who can do that? Who can live with God? It is a really important question. We'd imagine, wouldn't we, that God would have higher standards than if you or I were just looking for a lodger. Because God is perfect. And we're not. So how can anybody live with God? Well, as we can see, we're we're all going to need forgiveness. We're all going to need help so that we can change. But nevertheless, Psalm 15 does describe what God wants from those who want to live with him. So let's read here Psalm 15 and see if you like God's housemates wanted advert. Let's see where that leaves us. Who can live with God? Well, the one who does what's right. The one who does what's right. Let's read verse 1 and 2 again. Lord, who may dwell in your sacred tent? Who may live on your holy mountain? The one whose way of life is blameless, who does what is righteous. So just like us, God wants people to live with him who are like him. Not people who just do whatever it is they feel like doing, but people who do what's right. Not just people who agree with him about what's right or like to talk about it, but people whose day-to-day way of life is one of doing righteousness. It's actually very simple, isn't it? Who does God want to live with him? People who do right. We think if we were going to move in with God, if you like, we might need to wear these special clothes and bring special offerings. And and yes, that stuff in the temple, in the tabernacle, that was important. But even then, even then in that time where there was that particular tent, that particular place, what God is really looking for is much more every day, isn't it? Much more morals than rituals. Much more the heart and our life than some ceremony. And the rest of the psalm gives examples of what it looks like to do what is right. And again, it's not super spiritual things. It's very earthy, normal things. It's stuff about how we speak, how we spend our money. God wants people who do what is right, not just on those special occasions or on Sundays, but in the nuts and bolts of life. Because that is what it is to live with someone, isn't it? to have the whole of our lives. So, so for example, one example of who can live with God, we're told is the one who speaks truth, not slander. End of verse 2. Who speaks the truth from their hearts. So they're not lying or manipulating or misleading or fudging the truth. Or They speak plainly, honestly. And it's what they really mean. It comes from the heart, we're told. And Jesus said, didn't he, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So everybody says what is inside of them. And so we're told that that should be good things, kind things. Hence we get in verse 3, whose tongue utters no slander, who does no wrong to a neighbor and casts no slur on others. How do we talk to and about other people? Do we slander them, saying things that may or may not be true, but are are trying to undermine or damage their reputation? There is real power in our words. We ought not to speak badly of other people, even if that person is an annoying brother or sister or somebody else we might be able to go, oh, well, you know, it doesn't matter how I speak to them. 
Well, yes, it does. We're told not to say things that do wrong to our neighbour. Instead, our words do good. It talks about our tongues, but in a way it also applies to our fingers. It could say, whose fingers type no slander, text no gossip, post no hurtful things online. We speak now with more than just our tongues, don't we? And this is saying God is looking for housemates, if you like, who speak the truth rather than slander. Is that us? Who else can live with God? The one who admires the right people. Who admires the right people. That's verse 4. It talks about the one who despises a vile person, but honours those who fear the Lord. Now, this might sound a bit contradictory at first. You sort of, you mustn't cast a slur on anyone, but there are some people we're commanded to despise. How does that work? Aren't we supposed to love people? Well, yes, but this is about who we're going to admire, who we're going to honour. If we think of somebody who does terrible things, things which hurt themselves, hurt other people, should we love that person? Well, yes, but there are two ways to love someone like that, aren't there? You could love them in the sense of thinking that they are amazing, finding it really funny what they get up to, really wanting to join in with the terrible things they do. There's that sort of loving someone. Or that you could love them by being very concerned for them and wanting the best for them and trying to help them change. That's the way that we ought to love those sorts of people. That's the way we ought to love those deeply embedded in sin. And that's the kind of love that doesn't stop us seeing vile behavior and going, that is vile. I, I really thoroughly dislike that. That is wrong. And it would be wrong to honour that person, to act as though that is a person worth emulating and saying, look at this person, be like that. Instead, we're told the people we should look up to are the people who look up to God, those who fear the Lord. We should honour those people. We should hold them in high regard. So who are your heroes? Who are our closest friends, our our main role models? Because that says a lot about us, doesn't it? There are housemates I have had whose friends were the worst thing about them. The sort of friends who make you want to put a lock on your bedroom door. The sort of friends who come downstairs and you go, oh, they seem to like putting their foot through the coffee table. Those sorts of friends. And if I'd met their friends first, the room may not have been available all of a sudden. And God likewise cares about the sort of people we want to be like, the sort of people we're drawn to. Are we seeking to emulate and be like worldly people? Or is it godly Christians that we really look up to? The one who admires the right people. Now, if you are getting involved in in sort of renting a house together, that normally involves a contract or signing up for bills together, that kind of thing. And when somebody commits to that sort of thing, you want someone who actually does it and it's the same with God who can live with him the one who keeps their words end of verse 4 who keeps an oath even when it hurts and does not change their minds how often do we commit to something yes of course I will and then we discover it would be so much better for us if we just didn't stick to our end of the bargain what are we going to do then we all find that we all find that we've 
made a promise, made a commitment, and find this is going to hurt. The question is then, what do we do? And not just with paying your bills or, or, or things like that, but much bigger commitments, like marriage. When that becomes a promise that's made that is tough, will we be the kind of person who walks away from our vows? Or will we be the kind of people who keep them even when it hurts? Not to do with marriage, but with something in a church situation many years ago. I remember going through a very, very hard time with stuff that we'd committed to do that was just very, very difficult. And I can remember this verse really keeping me going. And I was saying it over and over to myself. He who swears to his own hurt and does not change. That's what God is looking for. Someone who can swear to their own hurt and does not change, does not change. Come on. Because it, I need to say that to myself over and over because it goes against all our natural inclinations that when something is difficult, we just stop. Or when something is painful, we pull away. But keeping our word is what God is looking for. Do we do that? Or are we flaky? Are we quick to give up? And lastly in this psalm, the one who can live with God is the one who handles money with integrity. How huge a test of character is the way we handle our money. What people give, what people are willing to take. And in verse 5, that includes both those things, doesn't it? It talks about the one who lends money to the poor without interest, who does not accept a bribe against the innocent. Now, this verse uh, isn't forbidding having a savings account or, or a mortgage. You know, they charge interest. That shouldn't be allowed. No, what it's forbidding is taking advantage of people. Seeing a poor person in need and spotting an opportunity to make a few quid. So we're thinking of those uh, payday lenders or those sort of loan sharks that were big a few years back. You see the adverts on the TV and at the bottom of the screen in tiny writing talks about their 5,000% interest rates. And that's illegal now. Because of that, the law was changed, rightfully. But you can still get legally... Loans with 1,500% interest. That's bonkers. It's not right. It hurts vulnerable people rather than helps them. But we might go, well, I'm not Wonga.com or whoever those people are who've all gone out of business. I'm not one of them. I'm not a bank. I'd never do that. But are we willing to help people? No strings attached. Or are we really doing it to get something for ourselves? Are we helping someone to put ourselves in a better position somehow? And the second example with that is about taking bribes. And again, you might say, I'd never take a bribe. That's something that happens in other countries. You've got to sort of grease the wheels. You've got to keep paying a bribe if you want to do anything. But again, how much would someone have to pay before we'd be willing to just look the other way? Or to do things at work that we know aren't technically legal? You know, money makes people behave in all kinds of ways you never would have thought possible of them. Makes people put aside their morals, be willing to step on other people to get ahead. And we're told here, no, in all our financial dealings, they should be completely above board. No ripping people off, no backroom deals or payments under the table, off the books, that sort of thing. We ought to handle money with integrity. These are things that God wants, doing what's right, speaking the truth and not slandering, admiring the right people, keeping our word, handling money with integrity. Those are things God wants. They're not the only things God wants, but they're enough to be getting on with, aren't they? 
But the word that gets me in this psalm is, is in verse 2. The one whose way of life is blameless. Who can live with God if you have to be blameless? Well, the answer to that is Jesus can. Jesus can. Only Jesus can. This psalm describes him, doesn't it? Jesus is the one who does what is right. The only one who does it blamelessly. Jesus is the one who perfectly models this life of speaking truth. His word is truth. He, he builds us up with his words. Jesus is the one who admires the right people, if you like. He honors those who fear God, and he sees sin for what it is and calls it out. He is the one who keeps his word, every promise. In particular, how he promised to help us and saw it through, though it cost him his life. How much more of a cost can you find when you come to rescue a people knowing it will cost you everything. Jesus is the one who handles money with integrity, owning everything and yet becoming poor so that we might become spiritually rich. There are so many ways in which this psalm describes the Lord Jesus. And so we ought to praise him for that as we see these different angles on his character, maybe some we haven't thought much about before, to praise him for that, for that's what he's like. But also praise him because he's done these things for us. We ought not to read this psalm and just despair at that list. As if to kind of go back to the, the flat thing. You know, you see the advert for a flat and you think that would be absolutely perfect. I would love to live there, but I could never afford it. No, instead as we read this, we see everything that Jesus is for us. His perfect, righteous record that he presents to his Father on our behalf, the greatest possible reference, if you like. And now that through Jesus, we can live with God, this list of things, it doesn't need to exclude us anymore. We can be like this now. And God doesn't say, oh, actually, I don't care what you do in my house. Just be whatever, don't care. What you do, whatever you like with money, say whatever you want. No, he still holds these same standards, and yet Jesus becomes the one who helps us to be these things. More and more, day by day, helping us to do what's right, changing us, changing how we talk, helping us to stop bad-mouthing people, changing what we love so we honor the right people, not least him, strengthening our will, giving us self-control so that we keep our words. Who can live with God? We can. We really can. You read that list and you go, that's not me. And yet we can, by faith in Jesus, as we repent and as we follow him. And we're told that the one who does these things, the one who seeks to live this way, will never be shaken. That is, we will have a permanent home with God where we will never be sent away. And we're going to have some time now to reflect on the things that we've heard. We're not going to have discussion groups to return for, for this week. Uh, instead, we're going to have a couple of minutes of quiet. Maybe it would be a good time to reread that psalm in our heads and, and think about how it impacts us. And, and a couple of questions that might help us to do that would be, how accurately does this list describe you? 
doing what's right, speaking truth, admiring the right people, keeping our word, handling money with integrity. How accurately does that describe you? And let's be honest with ourselves. And then from that, what do we need to confess to God and do differently now? So we're just going to have two minutes of quiet. We don't often have quiet, just have moments of thinking and stopping, but it would be a good thing to do. So let's have two minutes of of quiet reading that through. And then after that, uh, I'm going to lead us in a prayer of confession as we actually say sorry to God for those things. So let's have a moment now. I don't know what in particular you were just thinking of, what particular ways in which you'd like God to be at work in your life, helping you to change in the coming week. But it is good, isn't it? We don't just have to screw up our resolve and say, must try harder. We can ask for God's help, ask for his forgiveness. And so we're going to pray now, saying sorry to God, asking for him to forgive us and to change us. The the words of the prayer are going to come up on the screen and uh, I'll read the normal type. Let's all join together if you're able, if you're willing with those words that are in bold. Lord, who may dwell in your sacred tent? Who may live on your holy mountain? The one whose way of life is blameless and who does what is righteous. Heavenly Father, we're sorry that we do not always do what is right. For when we lie or speak badly of others, please forgive us and change us. For when we seek to be like the world and dishonour our brothers and sisters, please forgive us and change us. For when we find our promises hard to keep and so we go back on our words, please forgive us and change us. For when we use our money selfishly and care more for ourselves than for others, please forgive us and change us. We thank you for Jesus who does all of this perfectly. We thank you for his death in our place and his power in us to transform us. We turn from our sin. We trust in Jesus. We want to live with you. Whoever does these things will never be shaken. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.